he's lost, he's drunk, he's angry, he's shamed because he's fleeing. And he needs more chicken. And he needs wine. Fuck water, bring me wine. Heyo, hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of your favorite full spoiler reread podcast, Brotherhood Without Manners, where we read A Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin. As always, I'm your host, Zach. Sitting here is Nate. I'm Nate. That's and this me. is our Clash of Kings wrap-up episode, folks. We made it to the end. We done finished. So obviously, we're full spoiler. This is the end of the book, so we're going to be talking about this book in its entirety, as Probably well as how it correlates with Storm the other of Swords, Feast for yeah. Crows, and A Dance yeah. with Dragons. So if you... We recommend you fucking do, man. Right, what, so are you, what are you doing? It. We're in quarantine. Like Read a book. Read a book. Read Educate a book. yourself. Anyway, if you've joined us before, thanks for coming back. This is our wrap-up. This, this is, is it. it. We're not yeah. reading so a chapter we've, today. we finished the book, and so now this is kind of a chance to go over all of the characters, all of their points of view. So let's, first of all, we we started this whole book way back at the beginning with Meister Cresson. Yeah. I... Book starts with a maester dying and ends with a maester dying. Yeah. With Lewin in Bran's final and Crescent in the very beginning. Why did we start with Crescent in Melisandre and Stannis? Is that to just show the new players? Or is that to show the magic's resurgence? Or is it to show all fucking three? Well, I don't I only think... named two things, but I said all <laughs> I three. don't think we got much magic in that chapter, really. She straight up drank poison. That part's the magic stuff. Right. But that can be as... As a skeptic, that could be counteracted with the, an anti-venom that's put into the drink. She could just be doing some slate of hand. Like, then the magic is that she knew she was going to be poisoned. Like That's just, I mean, she, you, you can read a man. If if she's watching and she knows this guy can't stand her, what limits maybe see how she's this dark sorceress and she's weaved this web in Stannis' mind and corrupted him and yada, yada, yada. I, I obviously still think magic is there, but... It could just be a red herring, because technically speaking, and that's the way Martin likes to, his magic. Right. He's very low key Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. But, yeah, there's technically nothing here that jumps out as, absolutely, this is magic, because the flaming sword, when Stannis pulls it out, there's fucking nothing. Well, we know that's that. bullshit, like, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so the only, I, I do think it's a bit magic that she used some kind of life force or essence in that amulet that fucking, to give her life. Fire her cleanses, life, like right. That. Right. Um, but there, who knows? <laughs> is the is that what we get from this final that final chapter with the Meister dying? That magic has returned. Well, or? I mean, he was dying in front of the heart tree, and right. so it was a whole different sort Good. of scenario. So, since we're mentioning that, because we did, but get... both died. And I just think it's interesting that both Crescent and Lewin died. Oh, Nate. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. For the wrap-up episode, it ladies and gentlemen. That Good better vibration. have been one of you emailing us. Good vibration. It, it wasn't, because my phone would have gone off, too. But you notice you didn't hear anything. Anyway, uh, I thought it was interesting that both Maester Lewin and Maester Crescent both die. Crescent dies doing what he thinks he needs to to protect Stannis, the lord he his has boys. come to love. Yeah. And Lewin is just over the moon thrilled to see that his boys are still Dude, alive. And, I got so choked up. And right, and just the correlation of these maesters who are supposed to serve the castles, but they've ended up, yes, I think if anything, roles. it's meant to show maesters are men too, and they have desires, they have wants, they have goals. I think Theon was a little more right in his assessment of Lewin than Lewin would like to announce that yeah, he was very stark. Lewin was absolutely, I think, loyal to the Starks stark of Winterfell. Absolutely. He was loyal to Winterfell, but he was loyal to Winterfell because it's the home of the Starks. Right, and, and he loves the Those stars, boys, yeah. that family, like, he loved and Ned, he granted, loves Cat. Theon lost all the North when he supposedly well, killed I mean, them. Right, Theon. So, speaking of Theon and Lewin dying in front of the Heart Tree, I thought that it was interesting because we had a, the last Theon chapter and then a John chapter, and both of them are experiencing this turncloak title. Right. This, you're a traitor now. A fork in the road. And I just, I really like the the mirroring of John has got this, you know, and it's great to have a point of view for both of them. John has this... He, it's detestable. He's like, will I ever be able to be forgiven? Is this the end of the road where I've just... Right. All honor is gone? Theon... No, I'm until the very end. 
he didn't care that I'm he's entitled like, to I'm, this. These are yeah, mine. Yeah. These are, and now he's begging for mercy. He's obviously. like, he's for like your, your youngest Oliver in his terrible twos right now with his <laughs> mine phase. This is mine, mine, mine. Yeah. And yeah, Theon is so much more entitled. It's, it's an interesting parallel between the two because, yeah, John, and it's the whole book is building to, towards it for both of them, this decision. Theon, we see very quickly, picks wrong, whereas John is forced to think about it. He experiences things a little bit first, and then well, yeah, he gets the ch- and it's forced funny into it, and still doesn't want. He's still so concerned. He about, has a wildling captive, right? And he lets her go. Theon was going to. Theon rape has his. the boys that he grew up with, and he captive. had Osha captive, and Osha, and he was going to rape her. Like the the dude, difference, right, dude? And like I get now, I get you're a Greyjoy, Ironborn. John Snow's a bastard. However. You're not acting like it. Because if you were an ironborn, you would have done exactly what what his sister would have right. said. And you would have just raised the whole fucking city. And taken the boys And been back, like, won the suck, war, yeah. suck it, bitches. We just fucking won. But no, he didn't. He fucked it and up. And that's the, like, Theon likes to claim, and he realizes it in this book, He as he's talking to Lewin, that... You know, I was I was in chains, whether they were there or not. I, I they were they were there and they chafed me raw. And then he was just kind of realizing that as he was saying it. Jon Snow was in the same sort of chains. He, I mean, he's a bastard. He's not a part of that family. Lady Catelyn detested him. He was an outsider. But Jon Snow is. Theon in, was accepted to an extent right. by Catelyn, and and Jon was too. Jon like. Theon was right. Was accepted by, by both, Ca- no, both Ned, Ned and, and Catelyn. Ned mm-hmm. was never going to love him. Catelyn accepted his presence. Rob loved him as a brother. Right, would. right. Bran looked, looked up, up to him. him. Yep. Sansa, I'm sure, respected him. Arya was Arya. Rickon was Rickon. John was John. And I'm sure John, well, John Rob, and Theon rivalry. did like, the there was that bit, right. like. And so you're you're coming from the same place that John is. You had a basically place. the right. You More had a, right. And John is making I did quotes for the right movie. decisions, and I think that is absolutely why we get Theon's POV. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. originally is because of he wants to paint this image well, of. I I think it, what's important is while Theon is we're getting that. Why are we getting that? I think Theon kind of represents all of the houses and that status. They they, they find themselves entitled. The, exactly what Varys is trying to stamp out. John is for the good of the realm. Theon is that high lord. This is mine because it's mine and right. I deserve it. And while it's stretched to the extreme, he is right. all the Theon high lords of the, the repre- realm. Yeah, he's sort of representative of the privilege that and they that's all have. It. And like the refusal to give up what they think is theirs, even to the very dying breath. John, and this John and Theon also, a, a big, big, big theme of this book, too, is identity. And who, oh, yeah. who am I and what does that mean Where do I to me and in the world? And uh, I wrote down just a few examples. John, who we've been talking about, brother of the Night's Watch or a wildling or a Stark or Targaryen. Uh, who, that, that's his big crutch here, especially at the end with Corrin Halfhand. He straight up asks, who am I now? What am I now? Uh, so John is feeling this lost lack of identity. Theon, uh, between the Starks and the Greyjoys, it's... His his way is a lot more detestable, but he's having the same crisis of identity that John is right. as well. Um, Arya goes from yeah, Nan to Lamy say, I don't to think it, I think it's important to bring up all the characters to Weasel. Uh, yeah. She the ghost of Harrenhal. Literally though, in her last, she's going to be Nan forever. She's stuck in this identity now. Yeah, she. I mean, she goes to Roose Bolton and speaks out of turn in panic yeah. mainly that she's going to be stuck as this Tyrion person. Lannister and his identity crisis of am I a Lannister or am I the hand of the king am I the whore pleaser or my father's son am I a warrior, I a a warrior or, or a, a politician a yeah right am I, yeah. and he deals with that this entire this this and Catelyn am I a doting mother or a toughened right King's mother, and same. Then we have Davos. Am I a king's man? Am I a church ridden right, man? Right, right, right. Family man. What am I? And Danny, of course, with the you know well, everything. She's just being pulled in all the directions yeah. with Zaro and with uh, the warlocks, and and, and with, her her whole and, thing yeah, is her, identity and fire and blood and yeah. be the dragon and I the am a Targaryen, and right? Yeah. And slave. And so I really think he brought that to the forefront in this one. Arya is usually the one who's given the sort of identity is her story type thing 
But it's a thing for everybody yeah, it's in this book. And especially, I think we're going to get a lot more of that with Sansa. Once, oh, Sansa, Once we certainly. start getting like, the, into the King's Landing politics. I mean, Sansa is literally becoming a woman. And that right, is the right. most... Identity becoming a teenager, crisis, right, like, yeah. is the most, who am I? So Sansa and is literally going which through Which is the... going to bring me into what's coming up for these characters. And so, specifically Sansa right now, she... She's going to be married. We've got the wedding set up yeah. for Joffrey, so, the purple as wedding, well and as her escape. They're going to be dropping the bombshell of her marrying Tyrion. Early in Because that happens yeah. before the purple wedding, doesn't it? Yes, they marry yeah. them quickly to subvert her now, getting married to Loras. If I recall, the, the on my like second and third reread, I was surprised at how early on the purple wedding happened. Right. And so that means that Joffrey, uh, Sansa, and Tyrion's wedding is going to be fucking. Oh yeah, I imagine it'd be Sansa two or three, right? Or Tyrion, or Tyrion two um, or three, right? Because I don't remember which point of view it comes from, but probably a mix of both. So that's there's a a new identity for her to have to deal with, right? Lannister, Lannister. like which technically, which is wild. She technically becomes Sansa Lannister, right? And it's it's interesting because all she's, I mean. It's simplifying it, but all she's ever a good wife. And right. Be a, right. She and gets married to literally a horrific, disfigured right. manifestation of the every evil of against her family. Which is unfortunate because Tyrion is the best, the best of, of them. them. Yes. And it's, it's. Or could be the best. That, one and that's what's brilliant about that relationship is the one person we all want Sansa to like because we like him, she can't. And why ever would she? Absolutely. Why could she? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it. it Martin brought it up in this book to show that everybody in this book series is going to be dealing with identity crisis throughout the entirety of the series. That's an ongoing thing that we're going to be dealing with. So it also, which is interesting to think about her marrying him when uh, one of the last things that she had done before the battle started really unfolding in her with Cersei, which she prayed, and she included Tyrion in those prayers. Right. Same with the Hound. And... We get to see some fucking primo hound action. The hound. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's out in the world, diddy bopping around, and I love him. Yeah, he handles him. some shit. He was, he had a great arc this book as well, from pet dog to feeling on like terrifying yeah. monster, rage riddled man who's just broken. And I think at the same time, though, obviously freed. But he's not necessarily well, right, sure what to do with that he, freedom. I mean, he's the first person, like, he's, you know, in Jamie's boat, he's the first person to break away from, like, Cersei and that posse where we're like, yeah, do it! Yeah, and now we're just waiting for thing. Jamie to do it. Like, yeah, and so, and we, so yeah, which... it's a win, but it's, uh, oh, like, where is he going? And right. we know, you know, he's run, he's going to basically wander until he runs into the Brotherhood without banners and snatches Arya up, but... He yeah he's wandering and I think that's when he's most dangerous is right now because well, he, yeah, he, he has, has no, no direction he has nowhere to go he's so lost they... he's drunk he's angry he's shamed because he's fleeing and he needs more chicken and he needs wine fuck water bring me wine so I also wanted to touch on because we didn't really much in his last chapter John's talk about <clears throat> Mance Raider right because he grit talks about how Mance Raider has. He's done in the milk water. He's found what he's looking for. We know did that. Did she that, say that? She did, yes. He's found what he's looking for? Yeah. Right, now we... It's the Horn of Yorm right. he's looking for. And and, and that may not be the pronoun- pronunciation you use, but I'm going to call it the Horn of Yormand, because that's the way it looks like it's fucking spelled to me. At me. You, George um, has... I like, know. I don't care. Say it how I'm you defensive. want. No. Like, that's how you... Just... Anyway, yeah, so Mantis found a horn. A horn. A horn. Now. That he will claim, when he blows it, will bring down the wall. Bring down the Which is, yeah, he will straight up tell now, John that next, next book. Do we think it's this giant horn that we see that's described in there? The horn discussion is one of my favorites, because there's a lot of horns in this world. That we do know, different things. We know for a fact. Or do they do the same thing? Based on uh, future books, full spoiler read, that Euron has the dragon binder horned. Yeah, and, and it that burns a, literally a slave dies burning it. It chars him inside now. If you've reread our, or if you're a patron, patre, Patreon subscriber. A patron? Yeah, that's the word. Then you've listened to our uh, Vicarion right. chapter. Where he's got the plan to blow the horn with three different people prepared to blow into it for as long as they possibly can as they're entering the Battle of Marine. Yeah. 
And do you think that's, I mean, that's another horn. That's oh, right. The that's certainly going to like, be coming into play. And so clearly these horns are going to be coming and into John play. And John found one at the Fist of the First Man as broken, well. A broken horn. But a, a lot horn. of people think that that's actually the, the horn, horn of, of Jormander. And uh, that one of the brothers of the Night's Watch found it and threw it in a cache because, fuck, this is dangerous to have out there. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Mance is looking for more than just a horn. Take this horn. It's dangerous to go alone. All right. Thank you, Mance Raider. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, we didn't really focus a lot on Mance in that last yeah. chapter. But you... he has what he wants and is now marching on the wall. Now. And we get a lot of good Mance stuff next book, which is great because Mance is one of the best he's characters in the character, North. Yeah. Now we get, um, he's not going necessarily to tear down the wall. No. He's just he's looking to, to hide get his behind people it. safe from right. the wall because he understands that there's a bigger threat. And it's not until the, you know, because we're going to be getting the, the Fist of the First Men. Right. He gets fucking, we're going to get some Samwell Tarly chapters soon. So let's uh, lead that since we're talking about Mance and he's going to be making a big appearance. Next book, Storm of Swords. We've we've uh, finished up Clash of Kings. Storm of Swords introduces and removes some point of views. Yeah. So we don't get any more Theons. Nope. They're done until feasts or is it dance? dance? I'm pretty it's sure. Dance, yeah. yeah. I think they completely get over the feasts because that's where we get... Victor, uh, damp hair. Yeah, and we get to go see the gray eye, the iron eyes. Yeah, we it's get Sam and and Bravo. And we also, and, and so we're gonna get that's the other another one here in this book that we will be getting is Sam. Yep, and then Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Now we've gotten two books to detest this man, from right. And God damn, Martin, well done with just. We spent the first book where he's the, this antagonist for for Ned Stark. He's just poking and fucking jabbing and then literally driving. That's the, not the worst of it. Father's leg is broken. Right. And Fuck Jamie you, did that. Like, and um, now we get, we had all Clash of Kings. He was a prisoner. And Cat has been kind of... Leaving him there. He's just been sitting, yeah. just chilling. Rob hasn't well, been there most yeah, of the yeah. time to do anything. And so she finally makes it there. And as we know, because they left, Martin left it on a cliffhanger, but we're full spoilers, so fuck your cliffhanger, Martin. Uh, she frees him and sends Brienne on her way. Yeah. And we've grown to hate this guy. We know that he's the only thing that's going to keep uh, Sansa safe and alive if returned. Yeah. Hopefully. That's the last hope. And now we're going to get in his fucking head. We're going to learn that he's a broken man just like everybody else out there. Oh, and he gets to become more broken real, real soon when he loses his hand. But we just learned through another badass character, Corn Halfhand, that it is possible to retrain yourself and be better than you were before. Better than you were before. And so I think that absolutely is meant to be the idea, is that before Jamie Lannister gets his point of view, we get a character that's going to foreshadow what Jamie could potentially become. A one-handed badass motherfucker, potentially leading the Night's Watch. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So... <laughs> Um, he so, will be training with Sir Ilan Payne. Yeah, clack clack clack. Very cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I love their midnight training sessions. No, that's not for a while. Again, I don't think that is. All oh, right. Feast, yeah, feast um, around. But we, it's. I think it's interesting because it's another character that a we hate Jamie Lannister until this this next book. Right. That's the only time we're going to start. And even uh, at the beginning of yeah, that, right. it takes a bit for you to finally wench, start being wench, like, wench. oh wow, he's a he's a savage son of a bitch. But then the the story comes out, and we learn to like him. But Ill and Payne were from book one. He's this fucking imposing, terrifying, he's tainted ice, scary. He and yeah, he's just a nasty dude. He's still creepy during those Jamie chapters. But do you, do you think he's going to have any kind of like maybe we get his redemption at all? Where he's no, no, no. You think no. he'll always be an enigma? I think he... I don't think he is an enigma. I think he's just a guy who likes killing. Like, he's a Lannister lackey, through and through. He's Tywin's man, like... Sounds very black to me, black and white there, uh, Well, right, and, and I mean... You it, think he is? I mean, not that there can't be. Well, like, like I'm saying, I think he was... He was a gray character up until he had his tongue ripped out. And now he's loyal, and he serves. Like, I, I just think that's all it, uh, there is to it, is that he was heard talking shit about Tywin. Tywin showed what happens when you talk shit about Tywin. 
And now Ellen Payne's like, well, I physically can't talk, talk shit, shit about, about Tywin, Tywin, so I'm just going to serve Tywin and therefore Cersei and the rest of his house. I think it's pretty much that. He's a cowed man. I don't think he is as imposing scary as like he's, he's got i think he, he's just got resting pitch face yeah, like yeah. i think he, 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 he embraces that but he's not this like right that's Mo- just the motherfucker is been... serving a sentence like basically tywin sentenced him to silence for the rest of his life by ripping out his tongue like he was cowed he was caught he was tried and fucking Serving, yeah, yeah, like he been. he isn't to me this. I mean, he is obviously to a it was twelve thirteen year old girl's eyes, but I don't really think he is super as imposing. Like even Jamie later is like, yeah, you're you're just kind of fucking weird with your weird your clacking clacky, tongue, clickety. yeah. But awkward. Uh, another interesting person who we didn't get a lot of this book, but was obviously working in the background would be Littlefinger Peter Baelish. Dude, yeah, we only get him very beginning, very end. Who was, as we remember, sent by Cersei and Tyrion to deal with the Tyrells after Renly's death to try to sway them over to their side before they could run over and join Stannis and was promised Harrenhal for this deed. Right. And so Littlefinger went and was gone for most of the book and only returned in Sansa's last chapter to receive his rewards of Harrenhal for the arrangement of the Tyrells joining. So he comes back into the now, city. he was also made Lord Paramount oh, right, of you're the right. Riverlands. Riverlands in the Trident. And that's not okay, because Riverrun is oh, the yeah. where Lord Paramount fuck sits. Yeah, fuck you, And so it. we're seeing these this foundation for what he's starting to put together, this grab for control over the realm. Right. He now has being king. He now has a shot at the Eerie because of right. this. Because he's now a lord. All of, it took uh, was him leaving a volatile city and going to Britta Ridge and... Offering a good p- situation. Offering shit that is nothing out of his pocket. Offering the throne. Right, like offering Joffrey right. and shit that has no effect on him. It's stuff he can offer freely because he ain't giving it. It's the throne giving it. And so, yeah, Baelish absolutely played this book well. Like, he goes down, he does that, and then I would assume him and Loris had these talks of Marjorie, and there were letters exchanged based on how quickly, uh, I mean, unless it's they came back and Littlefinger, Littlefinger was immediately to Cersei, like, yeah, let's marry him to Marjorie, and, but that seems to happen so quick that I gotta believe some ravens were sent ahead of Loris and... I almost feel like, honestly, Littlefinger is intelligent enough to have put together that they're not going to refuse this. If we get at the Tyrells, I promised them that you would refuse them. Uh, the the Meister, the Meister, the fucking, the head of the Citadel, the High fucking, Septon. Thank you. The High Septon is going to be in their pocket, obviously, because that's what. Cersei does. Yeah. Um, and so it's not going to be hard for them to revoke Sansa's marriage. And so it, I think Littlefinger put it all together and wouldn't necessarily need to have those letters. Yeah, no, I just thought that actually Loras showed up at the Battle of Blackwater, so there was no time for letters beforehand. Right, so, right. yeah, no, it was uh, – I mean, it must have just been after the war. They went up – Littlefinger went to Cersei and it was, was like, like yeah, I told they've them got they'd Marjorie. And, we're going to get rid of Sansa yeah. where you're going to marry – they're going to be – and you'll be the two largest houses. But, yeah, I mean, that's huge because the Tyrells coming into the city – essentially starts to spell doom for the Lannisters. Cersei starts getting fucked by having players just as good, if not some better, than her. Yeah, that have been her. a lot longer. There's and people that are playing on T- Tywin's level, the Queen of Thorns. Olenna! And Cersei's trying to keep up with that. And, like, Olenna's playing on some fucking... So, and we and we we're still levels. it's still kind of a question mark what level Marjorie's playing on. I think she's on a level far above Cersei. I think she's but at she's least young in the loop. And so well, like she's certainly well because the way I th- well what I mean in the loop is Tywin doesn't tell Cersei more than she needs to know. Right. I feel like Olena is like no sweetling. Listen oh yeah 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 right. This right, is right. what we're doing. This is more of the Littlefinger Sansa yeah. in the show, like how he's like. Now let me explain this, but not keeping any of those fucking shifty, shady, gross details. I, yeah, I think the Marjorie-Elena relationship is what Tywin and Cersei could Yo, be. What Cersei couple. wants it to be, where it's Fuck like yeah. we we tell each other everything yeah. and keep the world at bay, and together we r- right. run this shit. Who run the world? Because Elena's playing a fucking 
fucking on that. Oh yeah, we start stove. getting fucking Tyrell yeah, coins. Yeah, the coins are fucking popping and... up, and it's yeah, it's great stuff. Good news. So good on Littlefinger for sealing that deal. Tyrion yeah. even thinks that he betrayed him, saying that he didn't come back. But I think it's interesting that we're now two books in, and two of the most well-informed characters in my eyes at the moment, Varys and Littlefinger are still the two that we probably know next to nothing about mm. other than, I mean, I suppose we did get a little bit more about Peter Baelish this yeah. book because we did see some shit cat flashbacks, some uh, Hoster Tully was kind of doing some rambling about the past and stuff, so we got a lot of flashbacks as Cat was walking through Riverrun yeah. and shit. But obviously Var- Varys is, you know, I don't know if he's swimming with the mermaids or why. Yeah, it's interesting. The last bit there, we got but... with Varys was him looking over Tyrion and... Just kind of tisking right, and right. being like, hmm. So, yeah, where was he during Blackwater? What was he doing? And, I mean, who can... Well, well right, it's all speculation. He was under Blackwater. He was making sure that the Mermaid City was staying I safe. Yeah, those two are obviously making moves. Peter Baelish is solidifying his titles and right. honors so that he can make a grab for the Eerie, and it won't be crazy contentious. So, uh, Danny... Because we, we only got, what, four chapters? Five, five total, Danny yeah. chapters. They were good ones. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoyed them a lot more than I was expecting, this this go-through. I think, I, I think they were so enjoyable because there were so few. Because I think that's the issue everybody thinks they have with Karth, is that it feels like she's there forever. But she's there for a book. She's and on, it's and five, it's cha- five and chapters. And technically it's four. Because in, in the first chapter, she's in Vase Talorus, right, the right. city of bones. And then Quaith... And Zaro and Pyat Pri come up and are like, "Come to us." You had a point to make about Zaro. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I realized it that with his stupid fucking offerings of you know ship ships for marriage and all this and the marriage proposal, marriage proposal, and then the way he takes everything back at the end when Danny says that won't she marry won't marry him. him, that he's just he's the ultimate fuckboy. Like <laughs> he's just he's the ultimate sliding in the DMs. Like here, girl, let me buy you some jewelry, and then you don't put out, and it's like, all right, bitch, give me that ring back. Give you me fucking. Back my and then he goes around dude. telling everybody you're a slut. Like, <laughs> and so yeah, Zaro, I just goddamn. Go uh, fuck off, Zaro. The entirety, pretty much, of the book, I was going off of the, the show's show, version yeah. of him, but. The book's version is much slimier to me because the one that does have money yet is still so fucking just gross, especially at the end when Danny says no and he's like, all right, get out of my house. I'm done. Get out. Go. You have to give me the gifts back. They were accepted in good faith. How were they accepted in good faith? You're just saying that in order to accept them, she had to marry you, which in that case, in the Carthine tradition, you get to choose one thing anyway. So she gets you get a fucking dragon. And she gets yeah, more like, of the same you. stupid shit that you've been gifting her. Like, yeah, it's so fucked. And Zaro acts because he does the, the crying oh, on command. Right, he acts so. But he's just another player, man. And I love it. I yeah. love, I really like Karth because we get Quaith, we get Pyat Bri, and we get Zaro. Do you think we're going to see more of the Warlocks? Yes. Yeah. I do, certainly do. Yeah, I don't see how we can't. They are growing more powerful. And she fucking And she did fucked a him and Pyat Pri wants her head yeah. on a fucking spike or her heart so in yeah, his hand. So after experiencing the Danny with the the way we did the we've been doing the reread as opposed to our just normal reread, the note taking really hasn't influenced people. Mm-hmm. Really has an mm-hmm. influence on how we how I read the book. And uh I'm really excited. Like, and Danny, like, and no offense to Danny, I know that there's some diehards out there that'll scorn me just for even pretending to. I'm not the biggest Danny book, Danny fan. Right. I'm not, like, not that there's anything wrong with the character. I don't, I don't relate to it. Yeah. So you know, I enjoy reading it, and that's not the case this time. Like, I look forward to when I see Danny. I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this is gonna be sick because she has some of the coolest subtle like intricacies in the the text that that Martin uses to really highlight different things whether they're important or not right, like yeah. and so it's just so there's a lot there's a ton of symbolism with Danny yeah. it's just everything feels symbolic because i mean to her it all could be or could not be and it's yeah Danny's a fun one especially with just how isolated she is where Everybody else, it feels like, you know, yeah. something we see in Tyrion could show up in Sansa or Arya 
five chapters down the line or two chapters down the line. So Danny, she's got Barristan and Selmy with her now. Barry and Strong Bellwas. Strong Bellwas. Strong Bellwas likes killing horse boys because they twinkle when they die. Yeah, they do. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. They're gonna be heading to Astapor to pick up some Unsullied, and yeah, that's we're gonna, gonna be get sweet. some dragon tr- fuckery mm-hmm. where. Basically, Danny convinces herself and the reader and everyone around her that she's giving up a dragon, only to pull the now, fucking wool out at the last second. I know the show did an awesome fucking job with that whole scene, but... It ain't the book. Oh, man, I'm excited for just the whole thing. I'm just really looking forward to Danny Well, this chapters. is, and that's, I think, what I'm most excited for. This is when we start diverging from the show. And, like, I mean, we, we've said what we've said about the show. I, I still don't hate it. I think it was it, it was fine. But... I'm excited for that because now we're into A Song of Ice and Fire where this is the stuff that I want to find out about and wins. We're getting to Storm of, uh, Storm of Swords where if I believe I've read my facts right, Martin intended it to be two parts of three where like Storm of Swords kind of wraps up the first conclusion and then he would do his time jump and then we'd right. have... So because we, we have the Stark Lannister Civil War. Right. And then that the War of the Five up, Kings. That wraps up in, in Storm of Swords. Uh-huh. And then it leads into, I'm pretty sure it's the the Great War, or whatever it is, like his next yeah. steps. Um, but yeah, that Storm is supposed to wrap be the... The penultimate, the, the conclusion of that, this, this story first so arc, far. Yeah, this yeah. First and it, I mean, it shows Storm of Swords is a lot of people's favorite yeah. book. And we're coming to such a massive head right here at the, like, it seems, I know the Battle of Blackwater seems very climactic and that's the end of it, but Stannis ain't done. No. Like, Obvi, King of the North, like, King of the World, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he. He's heading north too. Fuck. Oh, yeah, story. yeah. He's got to go for the um, wall. But not. Thinking of that, um, I lost my train of thought because I got so excited by Stannis at the wall. Um, yeah, everything's coming to a head here in Clash. So in Storm, shit just pop, pop, yep. pop, and he starts just hitting you with hooks with you know the Brotherhood without uh, banners and uh, seeing who's with them and what they're doing. Yep, and then the the red wedding, the purple wedding, yep. like both are in like. We've got the Red Wedding coming I mean, up. Bitches. Sansa and Tyrion's like, wedding. Sansa and Tyrion's yep. wedding. And Arya's going to be, like, again, we said the Brotherhood Without Banners, but, like, those are some pivotal moments for Arya. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, she leaves the continent at the end of Storm. Right. And, and so uh, Gendry is going to be getting some some visits. Yep. We're going to, the ghost of... Uh, uh, Can we not even get into that right now? Yeah, like... The I ghost think we of sh- High Heart. Dude? Oh my fucking god! Like it's it's coming, brah. I gorged on grief at summer hall. I need none of yours. I can't handle it. Yeah, it's gonna be so fucking good. And it, it the setup. It wouldn't be as good as it is if Without it wasn't clash. for this book. Yeah. And like, and the comment, like, and I love, and the comment's one of my favorite things because doesn't mean anything. First time I read it, I was convinced that the comment was fucking huge. It was gonna hit the earth at the end of the book and. Devastate a city or something. Majora's Mask. And, like, no, it's it's just there. It's just a comment, dude. I do think it's significant because people put significance on it, and that's what Martin is saying. Gods, kings, armies, where people put put the power, and Danny is following the comment, thinking it's pointing her. They're naming it after Rob. They're naming it for Ned Stark. They're naming it for Joffrey. Right, and so even if there's no magical effects occurring because of it, the people and their faith in it are what's right. giving it a power. And so I think that is sort of the semblance of the magic in Martin's world is the power of belief, the magic of faith, the magic of belief itself. And so one person gets desperate enough in their life where they believe, oh, this woman claims to be a, d- does blood magic. And that belief, that was enough along with, you know, certain other circumstances. Right, a resurgence where of magic. Where all of a sudden poop, it happens. I said poop, poop it happens. Instead of poof. Instead of poof. Um, and dragons are happening. Yeah. Now all of a sudden all the people that were there are like, holy shit, yeah. real magic. There's more power into it. And then the word Yeah, it's a ripple effect, right? Now the magic is just overflowing. I mean, we, again, we pointed it out. We had Sarazo and Doxus, Helene the Pyromancer, and uh, who was the third uh, saying about... Corn, corn half hand. Fucking the right. power. The, the, the North, trees are listening. Essos again. and King's Landing. Yeah. All like three different points of the mm-hmm. map. All talking about the resurgence of magic. I think an argument can be made that the comet may have been a cause or a catalyst or 
I mean, it could be something like Halley's Comet, where magic goes out of the world in this solar system, and then the comet comes back around, around and the cycle starts over. We don't know enough about the planetoid system to know if that's a thing. But I really do think that it's, no, it's just the belief that people are putting. Yes, magic's coming back into the world, and so that adds a little bit of flavor to the comet, but it's the power of belief. Danny went to Karth and went that direction because she followed the comet. Would she have died in the Red Waste without it? We don't know. She found Vase Taloros because of the comet? Sure. Because of her belief that she follows the comet to safety? Or was that belief what reason. kept her alive? Well, that, regardless of what it is, yeah. that belief of uh, if I follow this to safety, it will get that's what led her to safety. Right. Regardless of if the comet was actually trying to show her the way, her belief in it did find her. Gave her the so, way. And I, just, I really yeah. think that's a clever literary device to use that. And, and we never hear of it again. The comet isn't still in the sky in Storm of Swords. It's it's passed or done its thing or hit the ground somewhere that we don't fucking know of in Southeros or something. And so I just, to start Clash with such something that you think is going to, like, I mean, when with my first read-through, I thought was going to be a major event, something to do with this comet. Nope. And then it just kind of slowly peters out where people stop mentioning it and stop referencing the comet in the sky. And then that's it. And then we just start getting talk of magic resurfacing. And it's it's a brilliant book. It's a brilliant fucking book, man. It's good stuff. It's good Got stuff. some good character introductions. Brianne. Brianna Tarth. Yeah. We got Corn Halfhand, obviously. Egret. We got... Um, ba 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 uh, What is... Jesus. Well, we got the whole squad there with Corin. Uh, you know, um, Strong the, the wildling. The which? Oh, rattlesnake. No, nope. rattleshirt. Uh, not the wildling. Sorry, but he is kind of a wildling. They uh, stop. Craster. Craster. Oh, Craster. We got the yeah. whole bullshit with Craster yeah, and yeah. Gilly and right. and that setting up a lot dark for the situation yeah. of him giving gifts to the gods and he follows darker gods and. Mormont knows about it. I mean, so which character point of view are you looking forward to next in Storm? See, I would have to. Where is your Storm? Do you have it? Uh, it's over there. All right, nah, not easily grabbable. It's not easily. No, damn, because no. I don't. I'm not 100 percent. Because I don't know if we actually do get um, Sam. In is it Feast where we? I get think because I think Fist of the First sense. Men happens at the end of Storm of Swords, yeah, and yeah. Feast begins with Sam sobbing in the fucking snow. Right, you might be right. Um, but I again, I could be wrong. But most excited for POVs coming up. It's it's definitely Jamie, just because getting in his head gives you such a clearer definition of the character than what we're presented here, which is that he's an irredeemable cocksucker. He's a fuck, but. I mean, he's literally insulting this woman to her face about her husband's infidelity, which is something taken out of context that no one really knows what actually happened, except us readers who think we're better than everyone else and believe that it's actually Lyanna Stark's kid and not his own. But he's literally saying, huh, your husband was just killed by my family, so why don't you come over here and get on this dick? Like, he's vile. What an irredeemable douchebag. He shoved Brandon Stark out a fucking window our first time meeting him what a cunt and then martin's gonna say well wait hold on what if everything you were told about him wasn't exactly true and now we're gonna get in his head and you're gonna have to sit with him just like theon but jamie is actually has this weird sense of honor has a sense of honor and a a sense of wanting to do better and wanting a legacy that isn't tainted by this terrible moniker of kingslayer and so, yeah, Jamie, Jamie Lannister, because that's it's, cool. As he it is of a he brings such a oh, absolutely. I mean, what what one would you want more than Kingslayer? But he brings such a good, interesting, complicated dynamic to the book. Plus, another Lannister who's a little more self-serving than Tyrion is is fun. Not that Tyrion isn't going to get more self-serving as the series goes on, but I think it's a fun switch with the brothers now, where we start to see Tyrion's fall and Jamie's rise yeah, in, yeah. in redemption and Tyrion's fall after killing his father, just this dark descent into what could be villainous territory. And it's excito stuff yeah, that and little flip. anything with the brotherhood without banners and Stoneheart. Stoneheart. Cause I, Stoneheart. Well, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, it's the end of Storm of Swords, where Stoneheart first makes her appearance. Yeah, and that, so that, that at the beginning. I believe so. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
Um, we might. Do we start getting whispers of her first? I thought there was like rumors of her appearance, and then all of a sudden, I don't. She's I'm there. pretty sure it's in the same book as the Red Wedding, and because I remember my second time reading through the series, I remember being a little surprised that it was so quick that it was in the same book. Because you know, give it some time to breathe. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Storm. Sweet. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've got, like, I don't want to say Storm of Swords is my favorite, because I really, really do. I would say, if I had to, I would probably say Dance of Dragons is my favorite book in the series. But damn if Storm of Swords is in a close second. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so good. It's so, I'm just so excited. See, Are you excited, right. listeners? We're excited here in the booth. Right. I, I think just want to start reading we're, Odin. That we're coming down to that. I think that's so about it, guys. About time to uh, throw some inductees. Yeah, throw it out so. to our listeners who you guys have killed it with Clash, with getting back to us, letting yeah. us know your thoughts, what you guys feel about the book. That's why we did the whole thing is so that we can say what we, we think and feel, and then you guys can let us know what you think and feel and tell us if we're stupid or tell us if we're our theories get you excited about anything and so one that's two books down doing this with you guys so first we're going to throw it over to france yeah with our ever loyal listener julian who included his inductee with his brand inductee inductee, and so he says his inductee for the whole book well this is just awfully difficult it would be a pleasure to induct renly just to provoke some belated renly rage but nah Good fucking Renly, motherfucker. Got Let's go with the direwolves. Not one, but all of them. Because their role was so important, both implicit and explicit. Even Lady was often mentioned in the critical thoughts of Sansa, and I'm not mentioning the prowess of Ghost or Greywind. Thank you guys so much for this second season, and have a nice end of the summer. Take care of yourselves, and please cook us an incredible season three with hopefully some new stuff. Other ways to make your community members participate. Winky face, winky face. Valar, Clash of King Eris. Julian. Julian, as always, thank you. The Direwolves were so pivotal awesome. to the start. Yes. I mean, it's... And they are thought of in almost every one of their chapters. There is no way. Starks without the Direwolves. Right. No Stark children without the Direwolves. There's just... And, yeah, they're vital to every single one for different reasons. Ghost and John, Bran and Summer, Shaggy and Rickon, Sansa and Lack of Lady, Arya, Lack of Nymeria. It's good stuff. Um... We're hopefully cooking up some sweet shit for you with Storm of Swords Season 3 of our podcast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully you continue to stick around sending us inductees. So we did also have to read an inductee. Yeah, yeah, no, for... I'm, I'm just wrapping up oh, Julian's. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to he, what he was saying. Yeah, he was saying that he's hoping we're cooking up cool shit for oh, Season yeah, 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 3. Yeah, yeah. And right. yeah, hopefully right. we are too. Stick yeah. around to hear it. So next we did have our wonderful... Listener Sarah write in as well, and she said she hoped it wasn't too late. It was, but we're still reading it now instead. <laughs> this was her brand seven final uh, inductee. But it's so good that it can be yeah. a whole so book inductee, too. Here's her thoughts on it. And her final inductee, which is Darkness. Hello, Darkness, my old friend. Cloaking them in the crypts, making Bran feeling safe and letting him dream his raven dreams. I love the use of color in this chapter, or the lack thereof. Everything is pitch black or stark gray. (laughs) It's a world devoid of color until they resurface and the dark red blood and bright embers await them. The Boltons overpowering the Starks, of course, but the castle still stands. And Bran the Beastling is not dead yet. If I go up, will I ever get back down? I can't believe we reached the final chapter. I didn't care much for Clash of Kings when I first read it. Oh, youthful indiscretions. <laughs> and it was so fun to really enjoy it with you all. I'm looking forward to your next episode. Cheers. Thank you, Sarah, so much for writing yeah, in. Yeah, to you, to your point, you said um, the world without color. Uh, that reminded me of quite a few other points. Yes. When they emerge into Win- the Burn Winterfell, I thought of Tyrion. The green and, with the wildfire and on the Battle Blackwater. And his crazy dreams, oh, where yeah, he's yeah. walking with through the, the battlefield, the, the right, gray the without color. Mm-hmm. Arya is all about the darkness. Yeah. Didn't this... Bran have some dreams with that similar? And, uh, yeah, Bran's got some crazy... On top of and like so, that, yeah, the, 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 the color scheme, you're absolutely right. These awesome. strokes of gray, the world, the people seeing the world devoid of color... It is absolutely uh, a theme throughout the book, so that's why I thought it would make a great Especially wrap Especially even up. Uh, Davos chapters, Melisandre constantly saying that the darkness is the you mm-hmm. know the, the friend of the all that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, the, sha- the shadows, shadows without, are servants of the light. Sh- yeah, yeah. Uh, so great, great, awesome. Sarah. Yeah, so thank you, thank you for reading along with us. And yeah, we're 
looking forward to you sticking around for the next season. Fuck so yeah. a few things that we do have for patrons. Ah. We have... Uh, we're sorry it took so long. We're dense sometimes. We've got some great ideas for the new content. We've Get ready. done all of Get the ready. Winds of Winter sample chapters. Yep. So we are now going to start a... Night of the Seven Kingdoms read through. Boom. Dunkin' Egg. Doing some Dunkin' Egg. On Patreon for you motherfuckers. We're going to have that real soon. Probably will coincide with our first release of Storm of Swords. Somewhere in that area. Uh, Which we're anticipating no more than a week and a half is where we're expecting it. That would be three normal episodes will not be there consecutively. So So we can get some recorded in the chamber. That way we don't have to worry about any more COVID bullshit and delaying any more episodes for you. We'll just take a between the books break. Short break, we promise. We will be right back to it. Actually, we're going to continue being at it while we take the break, but it's just going to give us time to... It gives me some breathing space to finish up. You know, I'm finishing up with school. So, of course, make sure you're still getting us inductees for the prologue and the first couple chapters of of Storm, which most of you have. Um, Thank you. And I think we even have, like, inductees from, like, last year that I have saved in some email files for for Storm. So, guys, we're we're starting a new book. We're We're... looking uh, into more interactivity ways we want to start doing doing more polls, a lot more polls, and just more ways yeah. for you guys to interact with us. And we're also going to format the episodes a little bit differently. We're thinking of uh, no longer interrupting the middle of the episodes with the right, small council. Right, we're going to probably move the small council to the end of the episode, just so that way when we actually convene our small council... We can discuss a little bit we more We can convene and then end the, end, uh, right, end the episode and not have to interrupt all the good discussion that we're... That being said... Um, we should probably throw out our socials because we will still be responding and oh, active and everything on the socials. So email us at withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at mannerswithout. Zach is on Twitter at carstark92. Right. Instagram at mannerswithout. That Patreon that we just mentioned where we will be releasing on top of all the Winds of Winter chample, chapters, sample chapters, chamber chapters, chamber chapters, the sample chapters that are already available, you will soon be getting the Knights of the Seven Kingdoms. Right. Uh, we haven't quite decided how we're going to block that one out yet. Yeah. But- but we'll be getting it to you soon. It's going to be fucking Dunkin' Egg shit, man. And then, um... Blood Raven! Where else are we? Oh, the Patreon is... Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Manners Without. Yep. We have the Facebook, Facebook.com slash Brotherhood Podcast. We're on YouTube. You can just search us there normally. Brotherhood You'll find Without. Us. And then, yeah, if you go to our website, www.brotherhoodwithout.com. Right? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Sounds good to me. And... I know that there was something else I've been meaning to mention, but I can't remember what it is right now, so, yeah, you um, know. We're heading, I mean, shit, we've almost been doing this two years now. We still feel like a new baby podcast, but yeah. we're two books in now. And we are definitely taking what you guys are saying into consideration. Right. we have a, uh, that's what I wanted to say. Here he goes. Is, uh, fuck HBO. Fuck HBO. Fuck HBO. Yo, uh, thank you. So, yeah, we are currently in a, uh, logo Hiatus. Yo, so <laughs> we gave your last season good reviews. And you're you gonna sons of fuck bitches. it, yeah. Come and you're gonna ass. you're gonna infringe on me. You and, you and Amy Schumer can fuck Get off together. Here. What anyway, uh, as most of you in our Facebook group have seen, Nate is currently working on a new logo. As they don't like our font, fuck you. So we've got to work on changing that up and doing something different. I'm just touching up. I like the ideas. Um, don't worry about hurting my feelings. Like, right. if, if, yeah, if yeah, you guys no. don't like it, like we, we appreciate the constructive. I need to know what you guys would be willing to lo- look at. Yeah, you you're know? you're the guys who got to stare at it on your phone. And trust me, I know that bad cover art and album art just fucking sucks to look at. And yeah, so, so I'm a new artist, and so while I did make all even the Brotherhood initially one, uh, like I told Julian, I'm gonna start reworking on some of the stuff. Um, but we, we plan on uh, letting you guys partake in that and, and guide Nate put yeah. up a couple pictures today on our Facebook you can check those out and let him know what that's you think that's a private Facebook that's a private Facebook yeah. well uh, for yeah for the private Facebook join the private yeah, Facebook if you want to partake right but our Patreoners that's up if you want to take a look and let us know what you think and what ways you would like to see it changed because uh, we got to get on that because again fuck HBO yeah and bear with me because you know like I said I'm a new fresh artist right. I'm doing my best he's man. doing his best and uh, big congratulations to Big Nate here, who just became certified uh, uh, uh. in Illustrator. So big things, guys! Thank you for listening with us for, for so long. What is it? A hundred and about one hundred and fifty episodes. Yeah, this now? is like one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty-two or something right. like that. One hundred and fifty episodes. Somewhere. Here's to one hundred and fifty more, and we will catch you guys in fucking Storm of Swords. Valodaris. Peace out.
up? Hello. How you guys doing? You still listening? Still there? Did you let the little timer go all the way up to like the 58 minute mark where it says? Well, we're here and back. We're back now. Did you notice something was missing from that episode, from that great juicy wrap-up episode? Were you looking for some inductees? Were you looking for our inductees? Well, guess what? We decided to put them at the end. Not because we forgot. Don't say that. But because we wanted to make sure you were listening all the way through. Okay, we forgot. And so now we're adding this little addendum at the end to get you guys our inductees because we were just so excited to read yours. Yours were way better. But here they are, our inductees for the entirety of Clash of King wrap-up. Yeah, the whole book. Mine is going to Sir Davos Seaworth, the Onion Knight. Ass. Because of the great introduction. A brand new character, but immediately sympathetic. Somebody who just wants to... Be with his bro, his king, his boy, and has this crazy evil woman come in between them. And, you know, bros before hoes, man. No, I'm kidding. Davos is just, <laughs> he's great. He's hes the simple, almost small folk-like, who's now raised to a lord and has a little bit of Jon Snow's, I don't want it. And I just, I, him with his children is humanizing, and then we're going to get a lot more of him in Storm of Swords yeah. here coming. But I just, I love the intro of Davos Seaworth. So The Onion Knight tight, is tight. the book inductee for me. Did you just lose yours? Yeah, I had it, and then all of a sudden it went away. Oh, duh. Uh, Barristan, tell me. Sell me! So Arston. that motherfucker had been completely, he wasn't even in the book. And then when he was, it was at the most important time. He's there to save our queen. My queen. My queen. My queen. My queen. Um, I love Barry the Bold. <laughs> and so seeing him there, knowing that... Because we got to hear what he was doing throughout that. He got fucking let go by Joffrey, little bitch boy. Yep. And he went into hiding. He snuck out of the city, snuck back in the city, and was like, what up, bitches? I'm just chilling down here in Flea Bottom. And then he worked with Varys, I would imagine, to catch a, a ship over to... Um, Mopatas, Mopatas, and Pentos. Yeah, then he got sent over to Danny. Was yeah. strong Bellwas. He's the old squire. Like he's fucking. So he's been there throughout the whole book doing his own shit. I want his point of view chapters for that journey, Sir Grandfather. Well, fun. you gotta wait till dance to get any POV. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, so, so Barristan, Barristan or Arston, and he'll probably be. I probably should have given it to someone who was more prevalent in Clash because I'll be able to give it to him a little more. In right, but the, uh, no, it's an interesting. Like but... him popping up is cool, especially if you don't realize it at first. Right, right. Like Barristan the Bold's popping back. Barry the pop. Bold. So yeah, that's <laughs> it for our inductees. Hopefully, you listen to the end, and you know, hopefully, you know whether or not we've done this before. Constant vigilance.